Welcome back to Beyond the Booth. I'm your host, Cameron Capers, and as always, follow Beyond the Booth on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also find Beyond the Sound on Twitter and Instagram at B-Y-D-T-H-E-S-O-U-N-D. If you want to support the website and the podcast, you can make donations on Beyond the Sound's homepage. Today's guest is Aaron Rose from Shuttlecock Music Magazine. How are you doing today? I'm doing just great. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Um, so yeah, this is like kind of a full circle moment a little bit because real fans of both of our uh, platforms will remember uh, the podcast we had in like 2016, I think it was. Yeah, um, somewhere, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was short-lived, but that was really fun. So it's kind of cool to be uh, doing it again, you know, years later. Um, yeah. So just as a jumping off point, I want to talk about, uh, so with the magazine, you cover like a lot of different types of music, obviously. Um, but punk music is like obviously a huge part of, you know, the site and what you've been doing over the years. So can you talk about like your first like interaction with punk music growing up? Yeah, um, I think my I, I talk about this a little bit in the first in the in the essay I wrote about uh, the Dark Ages album mm-hmm. that kind of got me into local punk. But um, I was first off pretty into pop punk as a, a like a thirteen year old. I was super into like some 41 and blink 182 and green day and all that kind of stuff just through like the radio and movies and video games and stuff just kind of taking that in right. and um eventually i kind of found out just through like being on youtube and like kind of like pop punk message boards and stuff i kind of started to discover like kind of faster melodic punk bands kind of like uh no effects and rancid and all this 90s stuff like the the offspring and i will say like i i was into like the ramones and the clash as a kid like my dad showed me that much but i didn't really know any punk beyond that Mm -hmm. so after after a certain amount of time i finally discovered um hardcore punk which is kind of my my favorite uh niche and that was just kind of through several years of like slowly digging backwards um in in the punk subgenre and finally uh landing on that one very cool yeah that's like i've been doing that a lot recently over the years it's like you mentioned going backwards with music and like finding stuff from like when you know our parents were listening to music and all that because there's so much good stuff that like i just didn't know about so it's been really cool to kind of like discover new things i've never even knew about and kind of learn the history behind it too as well it's been really interesting um and I wanted to talk about when like, when did you first have the idea to start Shuttlecock Music Magazine? And then another question on top of that is like that first like six months to a year, how did you kind of figure out like the footing of how you wanted to present it to the world? Because when I started Beyond the Sound, it was kind of the same thing where when I first started, I didn't really know how I wanted to kind of go about covering things. So can you kind of talk about that first year and kind of how you found your identity with the website? Yeah, um, I f- first started uh, the blog um just as i was getting ready to graduate high school Mm because i knew it would probably be good to have some kind of portfolio like somewhere i could show people my work if i wanted to get a job doing music journalism in the future Mm -hmm. so um i started the blog just as i finished high school and at first it was just kind of me cataloging like all the concerts i was going to and writing about those and taking some pretty not good photos at that point and um yeah no like i i at first i like i kind of made it with the name shuttlecock just because i wanted to have i guess i was thinking a little bit forward i wanted to have the option of making it into its own thing if i wanted to 
But at first I was just kind of viewing it as a personal kind of portfolio. But then like, as I started to learn about uh, more local musicians that like, I actually enjoyed, you know, just cause like, I don't know, whatever, you know, wherever I was finding out about local music beforehand, whether that was like on radio shows or like in other publications and stuff, like there wasn't a lot of stuff that really like, like really grabbed me up mm-hmm. to that point. But when I started digging a little bit deeper, um, I, I found out about a lot of uh, local hip hop that I was into a lot of local, like I was already kind of into the local punk scene. So I started to finally interview all these musicians that I cared about and write about their music. So that that's kind of, it kind of just gained its own momentum after I was doing it for a year or two. And I'm like, Oh, it would be really cool to have this as like a full, full blown operation. So I've just kind of been slowly working at making it into that since then. Very cool. Yeah. And that's a good point you made about like, not really knowing about a lot of local artists and have to kind of like search for it yourself. So it's the same thing for me. Like when I lived up in North Kansas city, I didn't really know about any local artists like at all. So it really took me like actually moving downtown and really immersing myself in the scene and like meeting people and going to shows before I really started to like find all these amazing artists I've never heard of before. So yeah, yeah that's really interesting that you brought that up. Um, and something else I want to talk about is like over the years, you've done a lot of great work with the website, obviously when it comes to covering different artists and putting on shows, um, can you talk about the transition from being the person like going to live shows and playing and then transitioning into like booking your own shows and how was that for you? Yeah, um, it was a kind of a kind of a slow transition that like I, you know, I don't know if you ended up like I don't remember if you came to any of the record store shows I booked at, at Mills the the shuttlecock showcases. I think I had one or two of them. Yeah, I think Ebony Tusk played at one of them, and I was at that one. I think. Um, I don't know if they played one of my shows. I know they played there a couple times. Okay, yeah, I've been, yeah, I've seen something you've done it before though. Yeah, but um, I so the the first one of those I booked um on my birthday. I think it was like my nineteenth birthday at Mills. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey Judy, can I can I put four bands on uh, <laughs> for a free show <laughs> on your tiny stage uh, for a two hour span of time, which is not realistic at all right <laughs> um, we always like went a little over time and some some of the staff was not happy about it but they were they were on right <laughs> yeah so um the first few shows were all just like i would find three or four local bands that uh were willing to play a, a goofy free record store show mm-hmm. and um so those were fun um the, the turnout wasn't ever like amazing but uh, right. it was just kind of a thrill for me to see like a, a local rapper i like with a local punk band i like with a local indie thing i'm into right so that was like the I, and i did those like on and off for a couple years i mm-hmm. did a handful of those and what oh, were you gonna say oh yeah and then um wh- when i first started booking uh touring acts was when I finally moved out of my parents' house into uh, the house known as Come and Go, mm-hmm. uh, formerly known as the Asshole Castle before that. <laughs> um, and that's, so yeah, no, that, that house had a long history of having DIY shows at it. And um, my, my roommate, JB, he plays in, he used to play in the band Salty and he, he has this project called All Blood now. He's pretty cool. He, um, 
he had like his his band would practice there and so he had a pa in the basement mm-hmm. and so like eventually i don't even know how i i guess just through friends of friends um i started finding out about uh touring bands that wanted to play diy shows in town and i was happy to be the one to help set some of those up and you know it wasn't it wasn't always pretty you know but right. um <laughs> over the next year or two i would kind of like I lived at that house for a year and I think I learned a lot about um, booking live music just through just kind of hard experience, just like figuring it out yourself. Definitely. And uh, from there, like I, I grew to have a bunch of contacts and kind of know people in different cities. And I, I don't, you know, where I live right now, I'm not booking live music in, in my little apartment, but <laughs> Right. Um, I, you know, I know a decent amount of people who have venues and record stores and are open to having me, me book there sometimes. So I'm always really excited to do that. Yeah, that's really cool. And, um, that's really, that's so important. Like, that's why we talked about, you know, off tape or whatever, but it's so important to kind of build that sense of community where you're at instead of trying to like, you know, go above you, if that makes sense. And that's why I always have so much respect for you, what you do. Cause it's like, you are cultivating, you know, culture here instead of, trying to just be like some big you know hot shot like booker that's like you know just complete asshole and it's like you really uh bring people in like bands i've never even heard of before you know give them like a platform that's really important uh and it's really cool too and that's interesting you mentioned like the whole trial and error thing i definitely uh, understand that and like that's even something i'm still dealing with is like figuring out like what works and what doesn't work for me um and it's really cool being able to learn alongside other people that you like admire you know yeah. and, like other artists and stuff that we've worked with so it's it's really cool to see is over the years, like how much the scene has grown here and like how many different artists there are now. It's just really, really cool and exciting to see like what's ahead for sure. Um, you mentioned booking shows and I wanted to ask you like over the years, are there any like specific shows that like stick out as your favorite or that just meant a lot to you in general? Oh yeah. Um, I'm the, the number one show has to be uh, the Tommy Wright, the third show I booked at the record bar a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, that was just a blast. Um, and that's, that's still the biggest show I've ever booked. I think like, I mean, I've, I've never booked anything else at like a proper venue outside of like a, a house or a record store or anything um, besides that show, because I had met, uh, if anyone doesn't know, Tommy Wright third is this kind of like iconic underground Memphis rapper. Who's, you know, he start he started basically at the same time as three, six mafia, but he never, really broke through the mainstream oh, wow. in a similar way but he has a, a a similar style to like dj paul and juicy j and all that stuff mm-hmm. um so it's this, this real grimy kind of memphis underground hip-hop and a lot of he like he's had music show up in like skate like pretty popular skate videos before and then also just kind of like through word of mouth and like a lot of like skaters and punks and like old school hip hop fans are big fans of his. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I went to see this festival in Austin, Texas called this is Austin. Not that great. Um, a handful of years ago. And he was playing the kickoff show for that. It was like him power trip, uh, scourge, like all these hardcore bands and stuff. And uh, I, <laughs> it's funny. It was when we were doing um, the podcast together. I think, mm-hmm. I think I, used a like i i just kind of walked up to him after the show and asked if i could interview him at some point mm-hmm. and um he was he was a super friendly guy he was really down to do that he was excited to 
be interviewed. And um, he, he, I don't know how, but like a year later, he remembered that um, I was from Kansas City. And he was like, hey, I've never played Kansas City. Would you want to book a show for me? I was like, yeah, of course, that would rule. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, I reached out. I thought the record bar would be a cool spot for it. You know, they're, uh, I, Steve's a cool guy and mm-hmm. the sound there is always great. It's a nice kind of intimate room. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I got some, I got Warm Bodies to play. They're a great Kansas City punk band. They're, I don't think they're together anymore, but, um, and Bib came down from Omaha. It was a really cool hardcore band. And I got some other local acts involved. And uh, I think, I think I brought out like 150 people. Very and cool. that was a really fun night. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, that story actually is kind of weirdly similar to something that happened to me with Beyond the Sound. Um, I'm a huge Young Giant fan. Uh, I listened to them in high school a lot. And uh, I had seen them in, uh, I think, Liberty Hall in uh, Kansas. And uh, we waited outside after the show to try to meet them or whatever. And we ended up meeting, like, the entire band. They were really nice. And I was talking to the guitar player, Eric. And I was just telling him about, the, you know, Beyond the Sound. This was years ago, I think 2017 maybe. And um, I was just telling him about them, like, yeah, I'd love to interview you sometime. And then, like, literally a year later, they came back to play Power and Light, and he, like, remembered me. He's like, yeah, let's do the interview show. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, how do you remember who I am? Yeah. They're, like, a huge band, you know, so that really meant a lot to me that, like, someone at that level even, like, you know, cared enough to remember who I was and, like, held his word in that way. So um, that's really, really cool. Yeah, it always uh, feels sure. good. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then recently, you released the first physical issue of Shut Up Clock magazine, which, first of all, congratulations. That's really awesome. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, of course. And so when you start like decided to do this can you kind of go through the timeline of like when you started building the ideas and then kind of fast forwarding to the actual finished product of it yeah it's kind of funny um i you know i had always you know the, the blog is called shuttlecock music magazine mm-hmm. and i i really just called it that at the beginning just to make it like sound more official and i could get like press passes to concerts easier and stuff <laughs> like that right and i was always open to like doing a printed magazine you know i've always loved reading you know plenty of different music magazines over the years and um but I never I was like uh it probably cost a lot of money I'd probably have to wait a while before I do that and um I think back in December of last year um a local business owner approached me and he was like hey I'm a fan of what you're doing with the blog and the podcast have you ever thought about doing a printed magazine I would love to sponsor it and help out with that and I was like, oh, that would be pretty cool. And I started kind of figuring out the pricing and what I wanted it to look like and what mm-hmm. I put in it and all that stuff. And some kind of weird stuff went down with him on on, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And he, we kind of fell out of touch. But right. I, I, had, I had all this information about how, like how to print the magazine and I had all these ideas for it. And I was like, hey, I'm sure I could still find some other sponsors and advertisers. Uh, and I was like, yeah, why not? So I, I kind of reached out. I kind of made a, a document laying out what what it would look like and how much ads would cost and stuff like that. And I sent it to a bunch of people and they were all pretty interested. And uh, so it took like about two or three months of like uh, figuring out the content and the design and getting with the advertisers and getting their art and stuff. But after that, it, it was ready to go. And I'm, I'm really excited with how it turned out. That's really cool. Actually, 
unfortunately haven't gotten one yet. I've been trying to look for one. Um, I'll honestly just buy one at this point. I just really want to have one for myself. Kind of, you know, it's like a kind of piece of history, if you will. Oh no, I'm pretty sure Mills still has a, a stack by the door, like by awesome. the bulletin board. So you should. I'm definitely gonna yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tomorrow. I'm, I'm one out of my personal copies. I would give you one otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely gonna grab one. Um, I, yeah, I just assume they're all gone because the places I've been to, I haven't seen them. But um, yeah, it's just so cool. Cause I remember we talked about it. I think a few months ago when you were working on it. Um, you kind of like mentioned, you know, in passing that you were working on it. Um, to see the final product has been so cool, like on Instagram and all that. Um, and I know in the past you've done like photo zines throughout uh, the the uh, website and all that, but obviously doing like a full blown, you know, magazine is a lot more content. Yeah. So when you were like got the finished product, was there any part of the process to where you kind of had to like think outside of the box or kind of help you grow in ways you haven't done before with the website? Uh, sorry, could you could you rephrase that? Yeah, so, like, when you were done, like, was there any part of the process to where, like, you had to kind of do things differently than you usually do or, like, where you kind of learn something new about, you know, how you write maybe or how you put things together? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think uh, having the experience with writing for the pitch and mm-hmm. previous to that writing for uh, the JCCC newspaper, I think both of those were very important in preparing me for doing this kind of magazine. Um, I think, like, as much as I enjoyed writing about music uh, in high school and, like, when I first started the blog, I was, like, I knew what I liked and I knew what I wanted to write about, but I I think I've grown a lot as a writer over the last few years because Mm -hmm. of contributing to the pitch and uh, at JCCC. So I think just the, for, for whatever reason, it was really strange, like, I... I've always like I've always enjoyed writing more or less, you know, sometimes it's challenging, you know that. Right. But um for for whatever reason, like as much as I enjoyed it and wanted to do it, uh like words would not really flow from me for whatever reason, you know, like it was always kind of like pulling teeth um those first several years of I mean, really up until recently, like I would just kind of stress about Am I communicating what I want to in this article? Like, uh, and it would take, you know, writing, writing used to take like a really long time for me for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but something, I, I think just how incredibly boring and isolated I was like bored and isolated. I was over this like awful COVID winter, you know, mm-hmm. I think something in me just kind of snapped. I'm like, I don't know, like one one day I was like, okay, I have this very cool opportunity to do this magazine and it's it's you know, it's it's realistic, it's it's something I've wanted to do for a while and I don't know, there was just one day and since then, like anytime I sit down to write, it's been way easier and like I, I can sit down and write hundreds of words and the time, you know, it used to take me to do one or two hundred. So it's kind of hard to um elaborate on no that yeah that definitely makes sense that's something i still deal with too um because like my entire life i've loved to read books like i'm just a huge reader yeah Uh, but even doing the beyond the sound like there's been so many times where it's like i know what i'm trying to say but i can't convey it in the right way or like i feel like i'm being either redundant or like i'm using the same language i've used before so it's like having to force yourself to kind of think outside of the box and like write in new ways that you usually don't write or like Am I saying this the right way? Does this look right? You know, so yeah, yeah I definitely get that. That's something I'm still working on too. Is like trying to 
uh, find a voice that feels unique to me and not like I'm just kind of uh, regurgitating what someone else is saying, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, and so I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, yes, that's definitely yeah, a struggle I can identify with for sure. Yeah, and I think like having the, you know, you, you make a blog and or a website or a social media account or whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, there's all, you know, it's like you start it and it's only blank space, you know, it's like you can post as much or as little as you want. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I think having the constraint of the magazine, it's like, okay, I need to fill 20 pages and I need it. I need there to be enough words for it to not look stupid. You know, <laughs> right. I think having that very concrete, like restriction of mm-hmm. the magazine, I think that like made it finally click for me. It's like, oh, there, there is a certain amount of words I need to hit. And if I don't start now, start somewhere, it's not going to happen, you know? Right. So I think yeah. maybe that was part of it. No, that definitely makes sense. Um, I'm definitely excited to see it. But like I said, everything I've seen just on social media looks great. I'm, yeah, I'm really happy for you because it, oh, it, it you. looks amazing. So I'm excited to read it more in depth for sure. Um, and something else too, that you, I saw the other day or maybe a week or so, I don't, don't even know what time is anymore, to be honest. Um, but you had mentioned on social media, like how like, you know, booking shows and you took a poll about like, you know, moving forward, how <laughs> live music will look, you know, and it was kind of interesting you did that. I was thinking about it a lot myself. Yeah. Um, so obviously when it comes to smaller shows, it's kind of more manageable, you know, like Lemonade Park and like those kind of smaller venues where it's people are spread out and it's outside. So it's kind of safe. Um, but obviously we're still like in a really weird place with live music right now um because you know the pandemic is still a thing but there's a vaccine too but it's not you know like we're not out of the woods yet um so something i've been thinking about is like moving forward uh, when it comes to live shows do you have an idea of like what you want to do or like how you're going to change the way you do book shows moving forward um yeah i it's like i i don't know i don't think there are a lot of ways that i'm gonna change what i'm doing Mm -hmm. um you know, like, I think I was already making a, a decent effort to be inclusive and, like, you know, as far as gender and race and, like, mm-hmm. doing mixed bill shows, like, having different sounds on shows, like, I don't know, that's, those are, those are goals that I've, I've had for a bit now. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, yeah, there, I think there should be probably at least a little bit of a bigger emphasis on, you know, safety right um i'm not sure exactly what that's gonna look like i think um i think we're all kind of just waiting to see what the kind of industry standards for that stuff is going to be as dumb and dry as that sounds (laughs) um you know it's it's funny because like uh there there are a couple people i've been talking about booking diy shows for Mm -hmm. um this fall like in october november and i'm kind of just treating those how I've always treated them mm-hmm. uh, just so um, but it, yeah no the, I think the, the bigger the biggest question is like when will it happen and right. how normal will it look mm-hmm. and it's like yeah yeah I did I did take that poll on Instagram the other day because I gen- genuinely was interested to see how many people would go to a show this month or next month right and what they would want it to look like if they did and i got some good feedback um i was i was, yeah i was surprised by how many people were fully down to go, go to a show this month and right. you know if there were precautions and stuff like that so um i'm i, I won't be booking anything for at least another month or two mm-hmm. uh but i'm seeing 
it's it's kind of funny. Everybody was very upset about that New York hardcore show that happened in Tompkins Square Park with Madball uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And every you know everybody's pretty outraged, and it was a lot of it was like the the political leanings and stuff mm-hmm. of the performers, but a lot of people were upset that a show was happening that early. Right. But I think it's it's kind of like now that that show's happened and everybody kind of got their their steam off about it, mm-hmm. and then this show happened in Los Angeles la- last week. Oh, I didn't um, see that one. I don't think. Oh, also, <laughs> it was that one looked pretty insane. Like people were like circle pitting around like bonfires and it was like under a highway yeah it was insane i I would have loved to have been there but uh, now that everybody's kind of like got it out of their system i think i i think we're like i've I've been seeing like regular ass hardcore shows getting announced in for like early july so i think that's kind of what i'm looking at right now you know of course things can change and i'm gonna take you know the situation you know and like you know get it see all the variables and as far as like health and venue stuff go but um yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at right now i'm ready to get back to it and i know not everybody is and hopefully we can figure out a way together to kind of ease back into it and hopefully get fully back to normal soon Definitely. Yeah, that's something I've been really grappling with over since COVID started, basically, because, you know, obviously I was working at, you know, venues here in the city. Um, and then obviously there's been a lot of conversation about, like, you you mentioned her, like race and all that within, you know, the music industry and then specifically like, music venues. Uh, that's been something I've been thinking about, too, is like um, just moving forward. Like, how do I want to you know, navigate those kind of spaces? Because it's not, you know, a surprise that a lot of the staffs at these venues are mostly white, obviously. So it's like, um something i've been thinking about is like i don't want to ever be in a situation where i'm like feeling like a token you know or like i'm just here to kind of meet a quota you know and that's something i've talked to other people in different episodes of this podcast but it's like trying to find that balance of like you know am i here because my my ideas and my work is valued or am i just here you know to be like oh yeah like we have like this guy and then we have like a trans person you know so it's like i don't want to be like you know what i mean so that's been something i've been thinking about a lot because yeah. there was a lot of uh, backlash when they did the whole, like, uh, I think the blackout thing on Instagram for the yeah. music industry. And it's like, that kind of just speaks to, you know, like, it's like, oh, yeah, let's put a bandaid on the issue, but not really talk about, you know, the structural things, you know. So, yeah, this past year, I've really been thinking about, like, moving forward, working in venues, like, how do I want to, you know, um, kind of move to different things or, like, try different things out. Because um, I would love to start doing more shows, to be honest, sound. I, I did, like, one. It was okay, but... Um, I just really enjoy going to shows and covering them, but I would definitely like to move more into booking in the future, but that's something I've been trying to figure out, you know, how do I want to do that moving forward, but obviously with COVID, it's kind of like a weird no limbo still, so um, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to, for sure to see how the rest of the year goes, um, but as we wind down here, I wanted to ask, uh, for the rest of the year, obviously the, you know, the magazine just came out, but do you have anything else that you plan on working on, or you're just kind of waiting to see what happens? Uh, yeah, I, I have, uh, not, I don't think it's anything I'm ready to to announce quite yet. I can tell you about it uh, off record a little bit later, <laughs> right? If you want, but yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty occupied with uh, getting a magazine out every month and keeping uh, the podcasts going. You know, I'm doing the the the, inter- the main interview podcast, Shuttlecock podcast, and then I have the the new podcast with uh, Bill Brownlee that I'm co-hosting mm-hmm. every other week, right? And that's been a lot of fun so far. So. I'm and you know between 
magazine podcasts and keeping the the blog updated i'm i'm a kind of near capacity but it feels good <laughs> no yeah it does yeah i think just like kind of feeling like there's some sense of you know the light in the tunnel is definitely a good feeling yes but at the same time i want to make sure like everyone's being safe because you know i think a lot of it is really just rooted in you know people wanting to make money and all that and so it's like i i care more about human life and like oh yeah let's make a bunch of money you know so it's like i want to make sure like moving forward people are actually safe and not just trying to you know rush out of the gates just to get back to you know quote unquote normalcy yep. um so yeah it's just a it's a weird place to be in but i think it's gonna get better it just really takes time obviously yeah yeah so uh well yeah man i i really appreciate you being on today it's you know we've been friends for a long time but it's always nice to talk about this kind of stuff and kind of catch up so i'm really excited to see uh, what you do next and yeah it's been great talking to you man yeah of course thanks for having me on uh, i'm i hope to i hope we can be rocking out together again soon and i'm, I'm sure we'll be be kicking it here after not too long <laughs> definitely well, i appreciate you man you have a good evening okay yeah you too see you